Welcome to another episode of the Head of Nations podcast. I'm your host, and I would normally say across from me is your co-host, Ben, but we're recording things a little differently and remotely over the wireless airwaves through cell phone technology is your co-host, Ben. So, Ben, what's new in your nations this week? Well, summer is officially here, and we are with the, the, the children day in, day out, and we are doing pretty good job at sticking to a schedule and we just finished a week of VBS, which was really good for, for the two older ones. So um, what am I working on currently? Well, it's, it is keeping to the schedule and it is managing uh, the, ch- the children because I'm a teacher and this is summer and this is what we do. So a lot of family time, which has been very good and excellent. And I would say personally, there's something that that I want to work on and maybe you can check in and see how I'm doing with this. But I sent you a video of John Lovell last night. Oh yeah. I inspired. I was inspired by it. And so here's something that I want to add to uh, the limited training that, that I have and do, but I want to add to this or add, add to my training, this idea of being ready to attack going from zero to attack mode in, you know, no time. And so I was, I, I think I want to do that, but I don't know how to do it because I don't have one of those awesome dummies. So <laughs> I'm going to have to figure out something, maybe make something out of pillows or something to attack as I'm, you know, sitting there and, and just reading and a, and a threat happens. I want to be able to, to get ready to go to protect my, you know, my flock in that way. So <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's what I'm I'm thinking about that Brian. So maybe if you have some insight you could you can help me with that. Yeah, so when we do firearms training sometimes yeah. the instructor will have you wait and he'll yell instructions. I've done different versions of this before through different trainings, but it mm-hmm. definitely makes you aware because you have to wait for the threat. So he'll yell threat. And he won't just yell threat when you get to a certain level he'll he'll yell like threat right, threat left. Threat right, Ooh. left, right? So you've got threat right, left, but you have to wait for him to say threat right, left. Or if he says threat left, right, you have to follow instruction, take out the threat in order, but you have to wait until you know there's a threat. So that kind of readiness training, because you don't want to be switched on yeah. until it's time to be switched on, but you have to be ready to flip the switch if you need right. to. Yeah, so right. yeah, we can right. we can work through that, maybe talk through that a little bit at some point when we're in person again, but there is something to be said, not just in physical protection mode, but in any kind of protector aspect, whether it's ideologically, mm-hmm. spiritually, going from mm-hmm. zero to 100 immediately. You don't always need to go from zero to 100. Sometimes you need to go from zero to 10% or zero to 50%. But there are times when you need to go from 0% to 100%. And if you cannot flip that switch you've already failed. Yes. Yeah. So and it is, there's, I mean, so much of that is being able to identify and identify a threat. And what's been very interesting is that this week in VBS, when my two older children were attending VBS, the theme was spiritual warfare. And it was amazing. And it was, they were talking about the armor of God and they were talking about recognizing spiritual threats. And I thought that is, a, that's amazing thing. So I'm thinking about that with them. We're discussing it when they get home and during our devotional times. And then I'm thinking about physical threats, but I'm thinking, you know, readiness needs to be something that, that I, I mean, I need to be able to, to recognize the threat and be ready to defend my family and my, and, and our souls. And, uh, and I think that that's, that's something that I want to grow in. So anyways, that's, yeah. that's how, that's what I've been working on, Brian. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I forget, man, I wish I would have remembered who said this. Someone said, you lose 100% of the fights you don't know that you're in. And so threat recognition in general is important because if you don't recognize a threat, it's over before it's over. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and I've had a couple of experiences where being what's called left a bang has really helped me. I've never, I don't think mm-hmm. I've ever told anyone about this experience, even people I was with, but I was in Florida several years ago and I was in a park with my family and there was a guy walking down the trail and he was, you know, 50, 100 yards off. And I usually have the means with which to defend myself. 
But that's if you get to that point, you've already messed up because you didn't identify a threat. So this guy's walking down the trail and flipped his hood up on his hoodie while looking at us. And I was like, okay, why would one do that? Now, there could be a perfectly reasonable explanation. Like he just wanted to cover his head for some reason. But looking at us, walking towards us and flipping the hood up, I was like, I think it's time to go to somewhere else so I don't have to defend us if that's the possibility, Mm -hmm. right? So yeah, but that readiness training, being able to see those threats, maybe we can even work on that sometimes when we're together. Just You just randomly Mm -hmm. attack me or I just randomly attack you. I had a friend who did this in high school. We would be uh, sitting in his living room watching TV and all of the sudden I was under attack. And (laughs) it was, he just, I mean, he loved MMA and and he trained and I was, and I would just get destroyed by him every time because I just wasn't ready. And he was a good friend of mine. So it's mm-hmm. like, well, why didn't I get used to that? Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, maybe we'll Anyways, just have to randomly yeah. do that. All right, yeah, so excellent. in my nations this week, it's a little bit more property stuff again with the chickens. I, last time I talked about chickens, we were getting baby chicks again. I don't know if yeah. we talked about that. Yeah. So we have the baby chicks that we got and I'm currently building a second coop. And I'm in the, the throes of building the coop. I, I like to build, but mm. there have been a lot of different weather and time constraints. So I'm getting a post hole dug one day and a post set the next day. So it's very yeah. slow going and laborious, but it's for more independence on our end and more responsibility mm. learning to take care of animals, both the children and the family but also reaping the benefits of that. So that's where we're at right now is actually physically on the property. I'm in the middle of building another coop, which is going to be much bigger, which means more chickens, which means more eggs. Yeah. yeah. All right. So Excellent. let's get into the passage of the week or the verse of the week. And this week we are in first Kings chapter 17 and we're going to be reading verses one through six. And this is about Elijah and Elijah is a prophet and he's confronting the king And he really thinks he's the last prophet of God left because all the other true prophets. Now, there are lots of people that claim to be prophets. We'll see that in the Bible several times where there are prophets that claim to be prophets of God, but they're false prophets. And you can tell whether a prophet is a real prophet or a false prophet by whether or not the words they proclaim in the name of the Lord, which is a weighty matter already. But if those words they proclaim come true, they're a prophet. If they don't, they're a false prophet. That's the measure. That's the measure scripture gives us for knowing a true prophet or a false prophet. So Elijah is the last prophet in his mind of God. And this is where we start out. Chapter 17, verse 1 of 1 Kings. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, and just pause real quick, Ahab's the king. As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward and hide in the Kirith ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kirith ravine, east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and he drank from the brook. Now, there are several layers here that I see in the story of loneliness, which is also, I'm going to give the reveal, that's the topic for this week, so the passage and the topic kind of go together, but I want you to think in Elijah's setting here, where he is, in his mind, the last prophet that has held the line for God. All the other prophets have either been killed Or, this is in his mind, by the way, because we find out later there are still a hundred prophets left that are preserved. But all the other prophets, as far as he knows, have they been killed or have turned and fallen away and are serving fake gods. They're serving false gods. And so Elijah is, first of all, in his mind, the last prophet. Second of all, he's called to confront the king. And that comes with a lot of danger because the king is the man who can decide it's your time to die. And if you see the fate of a lot of prophets of old. They suffered or were killed a lot of times. And we see this with priests as well, like Saul killed the priests. We see prophets like Jeremiah who are thrown into pits, thrown into dungeons. Some were tortured, some died because they spoke the word of the Lord. So Elijah is speaking the word of the Lord to the king and he's saying, there will be a drought and God is using me as his tool and 
until I say it's time to rain, there's going to be no rain, there's going to be no dew, which means all of the crops are going to die. That's the inference there is there won't be harvests because God is going to dry up the skies. And then on top of all of that, God tells him to go from that place to a desert area, to a desolate place by himself, where his means of food, it's birds. He's getting airmail food, right? So he's alone by himself, both as far as morally in his mind, he's alone because he's confronted the king, and you can't stay in your homeland once you've confronted the king. And lastly, when he's in the wilderness, his companions are birds. So there's just a lot of loneliness that I see in this passage, but that's the cost at this point for staying true to the word of the Lord. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, the, the cost for following the Lord, for staying true to him in Elijah's context is lonesomeness and fear and vulnerability. And in that, he is experiencing. It's very interesting how, how God does this because he does this with his people. He does this even with his with his son, Jesus Christ, where these who are hearing the word of the Lord, staying true to the word of the Lord, are brought out to places where they're desperate and desolate, you know, where these these men are relying on and living on the word of God and being provided for in everything by him. And so this place of the lone, it's a, this is a blessed loneliness because Elijah feels and knows that the Lord is with him. And I think, well, and this is probably going to be something that, that we'll talk about soon, but I think in our society, loneliness is something that we run away from, we, we avoid. But Jesus frequently went by himself to, to hear in the word of the Lord, to be to, to see, seek out intimate times with him, where it's just him and the Lord. So I, I think that loneliness is, yes, it, it, it's a problem, but it doesn't have to be a problem if there is a living God. Mm, yes. Those are my thoughts. Yeah, and we'll get into that a little bit more, but that is, that's really the crux of it. So you know, we're not bearing the lead right now. We're leading with the lead, which is, yes, you're never alone if you belong to God. But let's just slide right into this transition here that loneliness seems to be an epidemic today. I had done research on this topic a couple of years ago, and I'm really for the show, I had done research again on how many men, in particular men, feel lonely. And I'm sure women feel lonely, but men feel lonely, I think, in a different way. Because if you look at the world, and I actually watched an interview that kind of talked around this issue, it didn't address it directly. But if you think about women today, have you seen the memes about social media where a dude gets four likes and he's like, bro, I'm famous. And a girl gets 500 <laughs> likes and she's saying, nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. So... It's much easier to garner attention as a woman than it is to garner attention as a man. I mean, simply think about this. If you are a girl on social media, like if, if you're on YouTube, for example, how many subscribers do you get? Like, have you ever thought about, have you ever noticed this? I notice things and maybe I notice too much, but when I try to find outdoor expert content, I hate using the word expert, by the way, because people that call themselves experts usually aren't experts. You're an expert when someone else calls you an expert, but that's a side rant. So I'll try to find like outdoor skills things or building things, videos where it's, hey, you know, I need to do this particular skill. I'm pretty sure I've got it locked down. I just want to review. And there'll be a dude that's an expert, a gentleman that knows his stuff. I know he knows his stuff and maybe he's got 10,000 subscribers, 15,000 subscribers. There are the very few men out there that have a million or two million, but they're very rare. And then there'll be some girl that really doesn't know much about the topic, but I'll see it in the list in the feed, but she's young and she's pretty and she's got 500,000 subscribers to her channel and 2 million views on this video. Where's the level of expertise? It's not there. She garners a lot of attention because she's young and she's a girl. 
So girls get a lot of attention, like on social media, in life in general. They get more attention than I think they recognize. There might be that feeling of loneliness, but I feel like for men, that feeling is a feeling, but it can also be a reality as well. And so a lot of guys deal with loneliness. In fact, a lot of men say they don't even have one friend. Not one. A lot of men say they don't even have one friend. I draw this distinction between acquaintances and friends because a lot of people have a lot of acquaintances, but even a lot of men don't have a lot of acquaintances. So a lot of guys kind of live in this realm of loneliness and they feel it and it's upsetting to them. So I want to get into this a little deeper, but I want to read you the lyrics to my anthem. This is one of my anthems in life. It's a song. It's Man Against the World by the band Survivor. And if I'm ever kind of feeling alone, not lonely because there's a difference to me, and I'm going to suss that out in a little bit. If I'm ever feeling alone, not lonely, but alone, I play this and I kind of revel in it. So here are the lyrics. Have you ever walked alone at night like a man against the world? No one takes your side, a boat against the tide. When your faith is shaken, you start to break and your heart can't find the words. Tossed upon the sand, I give you a man against the world. All the people cheer till the end is near and the hero takes a fall. Then they'll drag you through the mud. You're only flesh and blood. I have walked the path from dark to light and they've yet to come to terms. Alone, I take my stand. I'm only a man against the world. And love, like a distant reminder, it tugs at my shoulder, it calls me home. I shout, can a single voice carry? Will I find sanctuary within your arms? Someday, when the answer's clearer, someday when I even the score, you'll reach and you'll find me near you, right beside you forevermore. But for now, I'll walk the night alone like a man against the world. A brand new day will shine through the avalanche of time. Now the road's grown long, but the spirit's strong, and the fire within still burns. Alone I take my stand. I give you a man against the world. And that, to me, sums up the difference between being alone and being lonely. This song here is a song of defiance against loneliness. He's alone, but if you catch the lyrics, he's not lonely. So I wanted to get your thoughts on this concept here of loneliness and the difference between being alone and being lonely. And then I'll hop back on after you have to say your piece there. Yeah, I've never heard that song, but that's another thing I feel bad about now. You're, <laughs> it's just a, it's a sad day for me. But It's on the but, Rocky yeah. Four album. You can fix that. Rocky Four album. <laughs> yeah when you said survival it has to be a rocky song <laughs> right yeah so i i do i love that because it's there is it, it reminds me of hunting i've never this is another thing that i've never done before <laughs> but i know hunters and they go out alone and it's something that they actually they like it they take they take pleasure in this where it's not it's not alone just because you know, they're they they're they love melancholy and loneliness, but it's this expectation, it's this hope, it's the there's something that's that's actually happening to them as they're alone. They're reflecting on their journey. They're maybe they're walking toward a fellowship, but it's something that is not. It's not just. Oh, I just like to be alone. Just leave me alone. You know, it's not. It's not like that. It's uh, it's 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 time. It's it's growing. It's you. You know, you against the world. It's this opportunity to do something grand and and meaningful. That it's on you and on your shoulders. You're responsible for for doing this thing, whatever it is, by yourself. I don't know. To me, it's something that. This is this is like the Christian walk. It reminds me of the Pilgrim and the Pilgrim's Progress, the, the journey to the celestial city. He has to walk it by himself, and that that is that journey is a, a lot of the time he's he's alone. And and yes, there are people along the way, and yes, he's going toward union and fellowship. He's going toward wholeness, but it is something that 
that all all people are are really going to to have to endure and have to you know to to have an answer for right to to be able to to be alone and stand on your own that's the, that's a very human thing yeah i i think that there's a big difference between being lonely and being alone and i think loneliness comes through lies we tell ourselves so i used to feel lonely when i was younger i feel like most young men go through this phase when you're a teenager do you remember being a teenager yeah yeah was that a comfortable time in your life as a teenage man very much no with my whole heart no. <laughs> right. I was actually, I talked to my wife about this periodically and I've talked to a few other people about, I don't think if I had to go back, if someone's offered me, if they offered me a stack of money, like $10 million, a hundred million dollars, a billion dollars. And they said, <laughs> you get this stack of money if you live back through your teenage years. So, you know, you, you go back somehow, I don't know, through science or magic or whatever, we can take you back in time and you can relive your teenage years. I don't think there is a sufficient amount of money in the world where I would do that, especially if I don't know what I know now. Even if I know what I know now and I've got the wisdom of experience of life, yeah, I still don't yeah. think I would do it because that's a very uncomfortable time for young men because as men, confidence comes from competence. And when you're young, you haven't had enough time to accumulate competence. So there's this insecurity that comes with being a teenage guy where you recognize as a teenage guy, what have I done with my life? What do I have stacked to my credit against my name? I want a game. Okay, that's good. Yeah. I got an A. I have a girlfriend. Okay, I have a car. Well, great. But you know, here are all these other guys that I see that have a car, two cars. They've had girlfriends or whatever they've won a bunch of games or you can see right now you can see 13 year old millionaires on youtube that are actually like multi-millionaires and as a teenage guy now what can you do because like it or not life actually is a competition now what metric are we competing against that's a different question i don't want to get into that but as a young teenage man a lot of times we feel lonely because we feel inadequate and if, even as adult men, I know a, a decent bit of adult men that have reached out to me at one time or another and have said, you know, I'm, I'm feeling kind of lonely. And they might voice it differently. They might not say those exact words, but sometimes they do. And this concept of loneliness, I feel like at its core is a concept of personal inadequacy. And it's a lie, typically. Now, Sometimes we feel inadequate for a reason, and that feeling is supposed to be there. So I cover this with losing, where people give out participation trophies. I hate participation trophies with all of my heart. I hate them. I understand the feeling behind them, but losing is supposed to hurt. And the reason losing is supposed to hurt is so you recognize this isn't what I should be doing. And if I want this feeling to go away and I don't want to experience it again, I need to change something. Just like when we sin, we feel guilt. That guilt is supposed to be there for a reason so that we say, ah, this feels nasty. I don't want to feel this again. Well, what do I need to do? I need to submit to the will of Christ more, right? So sometimes that feeling of inadequacy is there for a reason and there's something in our lives that's out of kilter that we need to fix, right? Like we might feel inadequate for whatever reason it is. Maybe I'm not engaging with people enough. Maybe I'm not reaching out. Maybe I'm not serving. That might be at the core of it, but there may be a reason for the inadequacy. But at its heart, a lot of times loneliness is a lie because we lie to ourselves and tell ourselves, I'm just not good enough. You know, I, I just don't have what it takes to connect with people. I'm just too weird. I'm just too strange. I'm just too shy. Instead of recognizing that God made me in his image, does that mean I'm perfect? No. Are there things I need to work on? A hundred percent. But God made me in his image, and I'm an image bearer, and God made me with the traits, the gifts, and the talents I'm supposed to have. Can I improve on them? Can I improve? I can improve. A hundred percent. Should I? A hundred percent. Should I level up? Absolutely. 
Should I work on propping up the areas that I'm not adequate in, my weaknesses? Yes. But at my core being, God made my soul as intended. He's redeeming it. He's sanctifying me. But there's no, I'm not good enough. There's no, I'm inadequate. There might be, I need to work. But at my core, I am made in the image of God. Therefore, I am worth something. I have intrinsic value. So the lie of loneliness is I'm not good enough. I don't have value. Woe is me. But the real heart of the matter is not woe is me, especially if I am redeemed. I think about this sometimes and it blows my mind. So have you ever thought about the children of wildly successful people? What it must be like to be the child of Elon Musk now, I look at that a different way. I don't think that would be a good thing for me personally. But a lot of people will think I could have anything I want monetarily. I could go to any place I want, any school I want, any vacation I want. I could get any car I want, any house I want, right? The world is my oyster. We think about that sometimes about successful people or what it would be like to be that successful person. Now, I tend to look at this a little differently because there's a lot of baggage that comes with that. But Generally speaking, we would think that would be nice, right? Yeah. When I believe in Christ, I am adopted spiritually as the child of God. I am a child of the king and not the king of some piddly little country, not the king of some big country on earth. I am a child of the king of kings and the Lord of lords who spoke the universe into being at his command. I'm his child. What right have I to wallow in loneliness? I'm his. And you know what? I have an open line to him at any point in time. And he loved me and valued me enough to call me into his family. I'm his. So guess what? I'm a child of God. What does that mean? That means I am worthy. I'm worthy to talk to the maker of all things because he has made me worthy. He made me worthy to even be able to talk to him. He chose me out. Not because I'm awesome. I don't know why he chose me, but he chose me and I'm his and I have value just because of that. That to me, it's a cure for loneliness right there. That in and of itself. So let me get your thought on that and then I'm going to get a little bit more into practicality, but just spiritually speaking and just esoterically speaking, that gets me fired up and how could I dare feel lonely? All right, send it, Ben. Yeah, and when we're talking, if we're talking spiritually right now, I, I think of I think of the church and I think of our communities as being the community that's built on the man Jesus Christ, who said that the two greatest commandments are to love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. So he he says that these these are the two greatest commandments that he teaches us that we are to love God and then love our neighbor. And so when it makes me think about first and second things, putting first things first and second things second. As C.S. Lewis, he, he wrote something about this. But I, I remember, I, I think this was in Mere Christianity. If I'm wrong, then please correct me. But that Lewis said that seeking first the Lord and you get everything else after that, but seeking the secondary thing first, you will get neither the first nor the second thing. And so I think if you seek after God himself, union with him as the most important thing, that will actually help you in this arena, making friends, building relationships and community, even finding a woman, if that's, if that's what you're after. So I think that putting seeking first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, really everything else that that you might seek after instead of the Lord will follow. And that's something truly that I've experienced. I've experienced the blessing in that. But I think if you focus so much on how lonely you are, wishing you had friends, I don't think that's going to get you anywhere. But that's all I have for right now on on that. But I, I want to get a little bit further into this too. Yeah, and that's a very solid point. And I've also experienced that in my life as well. 
and the hand of God blessing me as I've sought him. And even quite frankly, when I haven't sought him as well as I should have, just that submitting to him as best I can, there is blessing that comes with that. And I think that is a scriptural thing. And that blessing may look different for different people. I'm not saying that you're going to be wealthy or if you think fame is a blessing, which I don't think it is, then, you know, I'm not saying you'll be famous, but there will be blessing, I think, that comes along with following God. Now, so I want to talk about aloneness for a minute. A lot of people want to be that guy that other people look up to and come to. So I noticed that we respect that guy. And I don't know who that guy is in your life, but I've got a couple of those people in my life that I look up to, I respect, and I see as mentors. And I work very hard in my life to be that kind of guy. But if we watch movies or you've, I like old Westerns. If you watch old Westerns, John Wayne was that kind of guy. I like John Wayne. Everyone looked up to him because he was John Wayne. And there was something, the French call this a je ne sais quoi, which means I don't know what, which I think is hilarious. He just has a certain, I don't know what about him. But when you are a leader, a lot of times you have to walk alone and there's not anything wrong with that but that comes with leadership you're the guy that everyone looks to so who do you look to right now ultimately we look to christ but just generally speaking i know over the past few years i've had to walk alone a lot so during covid like 2020 2021 i don't know what your experience was but i looked at that differently and I recognize everyone has different viewpoints. My viewpoint, I felt, was my moral ethical stand. And my moral ethical stand was one of, I will not walk in fear. And man, did that rub a lot of people the wrong way. And I had two choices. I could either compromise on what I thought was morally, to me, it was a moral issue. It was a moral ethical issue in my soul. And I'll stand by that. Mm -hmm. So to me, I had two choices, compromise on a moral ethical position that I held or walk alone and catch a lot of flack, go the direction I felt like was right, even if a lot of other people didn't think it was right, knowing I was going to catch a ton of flack. You know what? I caught a lot of flack and I walked alone. Now, were there a few other people in my life that felt the same way? Yes, there were. Were there a whole lot of people that didn't? Yes, there were. But I had to be comfortable walking alone. And I led in that direction. I led my family in that direction. And, you know, it was tough because sometimes members of my family didn't agree. And I still had to walk alone and walk the direction that I felt was right. And eventually they followed me. But would I be leading if I didn't walk alone in the direction that I felt was morally or ethically right? And my wife and I just had a discussion today where I had to walk alone for a couple of hours during a discussion about something that I felt was a moral ethical issue. It wasn't like stealing or anything like that. It was involving one of the children and something that they were going to do or possibly going to do. And I didn't agree. And my wife wasn't entirely sure of my viewpoint. And we had a discussion and I had to be willing in that discussion to walk alone. And because I was willing to walk alone, be alone in my position, even though my child disagreed with me, and my wife disagreed with me, I was able to hold the position that I felt was morally and ethically right, and eventually everyone came around. Now, everyone might not come around right away. It might not be an hour. It might not be two hours. It might be a day. It might be two days. It might be a couple weeks. But if it's a moral, ethical issue, guess what? A lot of people are going to disagree with you. I mean, just look at the world today. With the craziness that's going on in the world, if you hold Christian values, you're going to walk alone against the world. But even on other issues with your family, friends, things like that, if you have an issue that's a moral, ethical issue and there's disagreement, you have two choices. Compromise on your morals and ethics or walk alone. And we see this with Jesus a lot where he was a man of sorrow. A lot of times we forget that Jesus walked alone. Now, I'm not saying that I'm like Jesus. I try to be like Jesus. I try to imitate Christ and I fail a whole lot. And God is gracious to me. But Jesus walked alone. Did the disciples understand him? Half the time, they didn't even understand what he was saying at all. He was trying to explain simple things. Like, hey, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. And they're saying, did you forget to bring bread? Oh, 
we forgot to bring bread. And Jesus is like, are you guys still this slow? He says that to them. Hey, are you still this hard of heart? Do you still not understand? Because he was, he had to walk alone. His, even he told his disciples, I'm going to die and in three days be raised from the dead. Guess what? They didn't get it. He said, that's not going to happen. When he was arrested, he was escorted out alone. When he was crucified and, you know, he's interrogated, he had to walk alone. When he's hanging on the cross, he cries out. Now, I, I don't want to get too far down this rabbit trail, but he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we extrapolate a lot from this about the father turning his face away. I don't want to have that debate today. I don't know that I see that, but he was at least, all his disciples had deserted him. And why did he walk alone? Because he held to the perfect moral standard. So if we're leading, you're going to be walking alone a lot. So be careful what you wish for. Hey, aspire to leadership, but recognize you're going to have to walk alone and you have to be okay with that. And I think that's what God calls us to as men that lead our household. How else can you lead unless you're willing to be alone on issues and feel that sense of separation when there are disagreements? Because your choices are compromise or walk alone. And compromise isn't an option on things that you feel morally or ethically strongly about. So I want to turn this back over to you for a minute, Ben. Yeah, I was thinking about just the the approach of the the approach we take when we are alone versus when we're experiencing experiencing loneliness. I think when when Christ experiences alone, when he approaches when his approach to being alone. There's a goal in mind. Always he's moving toward the cross. Always he's moving in the will of God and toward the victory that's in front of him. Always. That's, that's what Christ is doing when he's experiencing his, when he's leading and when he's alone. But I think that when people experience loneliness, I tend to think that they focus way too much on themselves so that mm-hmm. their the end for them is themselves it's not it's not god's eternal glory and presence it's it's themselves and so they start with a well, and i think this has a lot to do with what you were saying earlier it has a lot to do with the lie that that life is about you and that's a lie life is not about you so focusing on yourself, I think, very quickly becomes a pretty dark and lonely place because, well, you come to the end of yourself pretty quickly. The self-centered view can't actually give you satisfaction of, of, of unity and a fellowship that you see. Like I said before, it's a secondary thing. Yeah, I want to hop on that, that real quick, sense? though. Yeah, can I hop on that real quick? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. when we talked back, I think it was episode two on Level Up, the ultimate purpose of focusing on ourselves to level up is so we can serve others. That's the goal. So if I'm focusing on myself so I can focus on others, that's fine. But if I'm wallowing in self-pity, and listen, I understand. I've gone through periods in my life a long time ago where I felt like that, where I felt depressed or I felt sad or I felt lonely. But ultimately, you know, I had a couple of people tell me, focus on others and that will go away. And I was like, Psh, yeah, okay. You don't understand. Well, no, I didn't understand and they were right. So if I'm focusing on myself to improve myself so I can better serve others, that's awesome. If I'm focusing on myself for no other reason than myself, that's toxic. That's bad. And toxic in the true sense. I hate to throw the word toxic out, but it's toxic in the sense of it It will poison me. It will poison me. So my old MMA coach, used to tell me when he lifted, he would say, God, make me stronger so I can protect others. There was that, and he's a godly man, there's a godly purpose behind that of, I'm building my body physically to serve others. Am I improving myself mentally? It's to serve others. But with that, with loneliness, a lot of times, it is just wallowing in the self. And I'm using that word in the true sense. You're laying there inside in your mind, focusing on yourself, when if you focused on someone else, if you focused on serving, would you still feel lonely and depressed for a while? Yeah, things take time to come around. But the more you serve others, 
and the more you focus on others, the better you will feel because you're doing something of lasting value. And if you are a child of the king, you would be doing something of eternal value that matters forever. And that brings joy. And I think of, too, when you, you were talking, it made me think of something that, that I heard, I think I heard Jordan Peterson say something to this effect, that basically be the type of person that people want to be around. You were talking about the, the that guy, you know, John Wayne, uh, but most of us aren't that cool that people just want to be us and follow us wherever we go. <laughs> but, but I know that those guys are out there. I know John Wayne was fictional, but there are those guys uh, with that, with that quality. So how can we be more like those guys who seem to be rich in fellowship or, who people just want to be around. And I think it, it has something to do with being the type of person that you that you would want to be around or that people would want to be around. And I don't think that happens very naturally to most of us. I think that if life is getting, it's all about getting what we want, making sure we have a good time, making sure we're free from anything uncomfortable or free from any vulnerability, we're not going to be people that people want to be around that we're going to be very selfish and prideful people and who wants to be around someone like that right? mm-hmm. i mean uh but but being be the type of person that people come to for encouragement or come to for a laugh and for fun or for enjoyment or to be challenged by or to be sharpened by or to be told the truth by be, be someone trustworthy helpful willing to sacrifice be hospitable and, and generous this is others thinking this is not for the self this is this being a blessing to others and i think that that's going to go a long way in your if, if you are experiencing loneliness i think thinking in that way be, being the type of person that people want to be around i think can can help you with that it gets you outside of yourself for sure yeah so ultimately if we want to be someone that people will be around we're going to be following scriptural principles like do you want to be around someone that complains a lot do you enjoy being around someone that's the Debbie Downer? No. What does the Bible tell us? Do all things without grumbling or complaining. I think of Barnabas when you said encouraging. People enjoyed being a companion of Barnabas, although you know there was that little spat in Scripture, Paul and mm-hmm. Barnabas. But ultimately, people enjoyed being around someone who was encouraging. So are we encouraging others? Are we lifting others up? If you look at Jesus, Jesus told the truth. And people flocked to it. Now, it was also one of the reasons why the leaders hated him. And I think you can see that today. People generally, the populace loves when people tell the truth and the leadership of the world hates it because there are differing agendas. Most people are hungry for the truth. Well, tell the truth. But are you saying the same exact thing that everyone else is saying because it's what you're supposed to say? Because one lacks the moral courage or fortitude to say the truth, well, then that one person isn't going to have people around them because people want to hear the truth. So be the kind of person that people like to be around. I think I mentioned this in the Level Up episode, but I'll just say it again. Something that really inspired me to continue personal growth was someone said, who do you want to be eight months from now? It was an interview with someone Mm -hmm. and they said that. Who do you want to be eight months from now? We'll start working on that person now. So who do you want to be a year from now, two years from now? If you're lonely, who do you want to be in eight months? Do you want to be the lonely person? No, you probably don't. Well, start working on the person that you want to be and start making yourself more like that person. So do you complain a lot? Well, start saying positive things. And in eight months, that's going to be a habit. Do you encourage people? Well, no. If not, start encouraging people. Do you serve people? Well, no. Well, start serving now, like right now, right now, because a lot of times we put off these changes and we're inclined to say, I'll do that next week. I'll do that next week. I'll do that next week. I'll do that tomorrow. And a year goes by, two years go by and nothing has changed. So if you're a person that struggles with feeling lonely, work on serving others and work on being the kind of person that people like to be around. That's a solid point, Ben. So that's pretty much what I have. The last thing I do want to say is that Jesus was alone a lot. But when he was alone, I love the fact that Jesus went off alone to commune 
with God. He went to lonely places by himself and prayed. So if we are feeling lonely, now notice it doesn't say Jesus was lonely. He went to lonely places. He went to secluded places. If you're feeling lonely, commune with God. This is like, a lot of times, my pastor says this, and it drives people crazy. People will be struggling with things. My pastor will be like, that's amazing. That's great. That's awesome because God is working in your life. So if you're struggling with feeling lonely, God is working in your life and drawing you toward him. Don't ignore that. Lean into it. Go to him. Commune with him. Spend time with him. And if you are his, he is going to shape you into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And you're not going to be lonely. You might be alone, but you're not going to feel lonely. So I think that's really, if you're feeling lonely, the way forward. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. If you are alone a lot, but you don't feel lonely a lot, maybe you feel lonely occasionally, and you're more in a leadership role, embrace being alone more. Because that's where leaders live is generally alone. I don't mean they live by themselves in a house by themselves, but they live alone in decision-making and owning the consequences of that decision that they made. But ultimately, even if we're 100% by ourselves, we still have God. And that sounds cliche, but he's the king of kings and lord of lords. What else do we need? Any parting thoughts from you, Ben? Yeah, I have a couple. I was thinking about what you said about Jesus himself being a, a man who sought alone time as one who is truly humble. He, he, he's humble in that way because he's seeking the Lord. He's seeking sh- strength and encouragement from the Father. He wants to do the Father's will. And I think that being alone for him was was driven by his his humility in the absence of pride. And so, so it makes me think of why what would come between us and in thriving in our alone time and also avoiding loneliness, I think it's going to be a battle of, against pride in our lives. And so, so I just want to encourage you to not think too highly of yourself because I've known, I've known some who were filled with pride, who avoided community and missed out on relationships because they thought they were better than everybody else. And so you talked about the insecure, I think, at the, at the, in the beginning, in the self-deprecating, self-loathing. But I think there's, an, there's another cause of loneliness. It's when the, these, these types of people who, are, who think so highly of themselves, they're so particular about what types of people they wanted to, to associate, associate with and be associated with that, that they never found real, true community. Just, they just had shallow, superficial connections which left them frustrated, obviously, and it never really solved their loneliness problem. So I would say, just my last remark on this would be that we are not that awesome. (laughs) We need to get to know people who are different than us and watch God work in that, because in that is being vulnerable. It's self-forgetfulness. It's trying to get to know someone just to know them and I believe that God will actually work in that. His strength and power is made perfect in our weakness and vulnerability. So I think God will work in this. And mm-hmm. it's very much the model that he's given to us to, to know and to grow in relationship with him. How do we do this? We sit and we listen to it. We read his word. <laughs> we sit in quiet and listen to him. And then we respond to him in prayer. And so um, that was one of the things that, that I've been thinking about uh, as I've been, as I've, as I've been kind of walking with people who, who are experiencing loneliness, I think pride is so big in that. And I think it's, it's, it's killing that pride and stepping into places of vulnerability to watch God open up doors and relationships that you never, you never thought that that would happen, that you would connect with someone so well. But watch God work, and He'll if you if you want that, seek Him, and I think I think it'll follow. So. Mm. I hope that makes sense to you. That's a great, yeah, that's a great point. And just being full disclosure, I was there for a while of mm. the pridefulness and I'm better than this person or that person. And that's, that's very, that's foolish to avoid people. I feel like 
just for that, where we could invest in people. And a lot of times you learn things from other people as well. Now, I think to be careful with moral differences and being unequally yoked, but Mm. if it's just a person, you know, I'm better than that person, pride, right? So yeah, and you can miss out on a lot of personal growth and sanctification. And I think that if we're truly living to serve others, if our goal isn't serving ourselves and being prideful and just thinking about ourselves and our goal is to serve other people, then we'll put that aside and try to invest in other people's lives that maybe we would have looked down upon in the past. Maybe they're looking down mm-hmm. on us, right? Like that person's mm-hmm. so snooty or such a snob. So you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like there are two sides yeah. to that coin that we never really even think about. So that's something that God worked on me with a, a few years ago where I definitely, I think I was on that side of the coin. So yeah, that's a very so solid then, thing. Well, that makes me think too of like of being, of trying to be someone that other people want to be around. You can there's a, there's another side that you can be someone that attracts the wrong person, or you could be someone who attracts the right person depending on how you live and talk. So mm-hmm. you know what I mean by that. So yeah. So when, so when we seek to imitate Christ, we'll be attractive to the right type of person, the right community. And I think that the one that will actually be life-giving and encouraging when you see Christ, you'll be attracted to the right woman. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll want, she will want you because she sees Christ in you. And I think that that, I guess that's, that's a, a good, I think that that clears things up even from when we were talking about being the, the person that people want to be around. So yeah, absolutely. It's gotta, be, it's, it's gotta be reflective of Christ. Who's the key to, to real true Christian community and brotherhood. Yeah, so just to sum all of this up, if you're feeling lonely, look for ways to serve other people. Follow scriptural principles. Don't gossip. Encourage other people. Don't complain. And seek God. I think it's simple, not easy, but it's simple. So if you're feeling lonely, that's the path forward. If you're alone and not as lonely, recognize that that may be the position that God has put you in as a leader, and he's going to be there with you through that as well. So to me, that's the encouraging part is ultimately that God guides us through all of this. Well, that's what we have for today. So thank you for listening. If you enjoy the podcast, I just ask you to share it with other people and leave a written review. Also, if you have questions, comments, maybe a Snyder mark, Email us at info at headofnations.com. If you would like to support the show, you can go to headofnations.com and click the support tab. And we really appreciate the support that we have been getting. So thank you for that. And as always, we are the head of our nations. So let's go live like it. Until next time.